Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Wrestling Geeks Alliance. New listeners, this is a show that me and my co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews and previews over the pay-per-views or whatever the fuck WWE calls them. Uh, we go over all of that, usually record on Saturdays uh, after and go over the previous week. Uh, usually have that out by like Monday at the latest. And listen every week, subscribe, uh, share, you know, do all that stuff. Give us a give us a five star rating, or if you can do six, I think we're doing six stars now in uh, w, or in, in wrestling. I shouldn't say WWE; they're probably not going to get one of those. But you know, as much as you can give. But I couldn't do the show without me. Of course, I'm with Christopher Brother Hata. Yay! Everyone cheers. No. Uh, <laughs> how are you doing today, Dane? I'm doing good, man. Doing good, you know. Just chilling like an Ellen villain, McGilligan. How you be rebelling and doubling? <laughs> so, it is kind of crazy to think about, but how the fuck has Volter not gotten like a six-star match yet? Um, has he not? Not a six-star. Those are saved specifically for people named Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay, I guess. I don't know. I would have assumed that his, what was it, the first one with Ilya would have been that level. But, you know, what, what, the, what the hell do I know? You know? I, don't even think that, I don't even think that got five stars. I think Dave gave it like four and a quarter or four, four and three quarters or whatever the hell. He, when he randomly decides to throw three-quarter numbers in there. You know, as as much as I appreciate Dave as a source and a historian, um, the whole five star rating, I don't I don't think we should all look too much into it. He said it himself, it's just his opinion and stuff like that. But it does have obviously an effect on modern wrestling and modern wrestlers. But it gets to the point where when we talk about it in detail or when we went over the whole or when Chris Van Vliet, uh, you know, uh interviewed him. I kind of wanted to take quarters and throw them at Dave. I got to be, you know, just honest with you. I mean, it's either four stars or five stars. We don't need the weird fucking in between thing. Yeah. Though I do wish I, go up to six now. Yeah, I do wish that they, we would get more negative five star matches from Brian Alvarez. Those are always funny. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. But yeah, you know, um, speaking about five stars, what have you been watching, Chris, lately? non-wrestling related that you think is a five-star maybe a six-star rating oh i'll give the jets win on monday night football that was a seven-star rating that was a hell of a game to watch all sorts of emotions man aaron Rodgers goes down like four plays into the game and jets come back and win it in overtime on a walk-off punt return touchdown that was pretty awesome um outside of that i mean basically a lot of football because football started back and then uh, last weekend, as I, I kind of talked about on the show, I went to a wedding, so I didn't really get to watch too much outside of football and, and wrestling this week. How about you, buddy? What do you? Uh, well, I did watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 last night, so 
but outside of that, I, I haven't haven't really gotten to watch that much. How about you, buddy? What have you been up to? Bill Mosley just watched him on a documentary that I am uh, checking out. I'm already getting ramped up for horror season, and I started uh, with going back and watching a lot of. I've, I've seen about six now of uh, Alfred Hitchcock movies that I had seen when I was younger. But I hadn't appreciated at my, you know, modern age and seeing the relationship that Hitchcock had with his style and how that would cater towards everyone from Spielberg to even Quentin Tarantino of borrowing stuff from him and taking these plots like in The Birds or in Rearview Window, these scenarios that just seem like they're a normal movie getting set up and then some type of horror element just penetrates the whole entire concept so yeah i watched rearview window i watched the birds i watched psycho uh, i end up going down the psycho rabbit hole and watching the uh psycho 2 which was awesome never seen that before um psycho 3 which was all right uh and i haven't seen the fourth one yet and then also what was the other i saw rope i, I just try to check out a bunch i really love him with um oh now i can't remember the gentleman's name uh the the, the guy from rearview window that's in uh it's a wonderful life he, he talks like this um but definitely i think his his best actor that he works with and also um watched cape fear which was based off of a older movie but definitely has kind of a lot of elements i would say of hitchcock that scorsese brought and uh, yeah, I've just I've, I've been watching. I, I got Shutter, Chris. So they had this series that they had a new season for, where it's the history of horror. You know, hosted by Eli Roth, that has everyone you can think of in it. So I've been uh, just getting ready for blood, murder, and uh, you know, everything that goes into Halloween. Happiness, Satan, Satan, <laughs> Satan. Uh man, so yeah, the Eli Roth show it used to come on the History Channel, so I guess they just moved the moved it to Shutter with all the seasons. I'm assuming. Or no, yeah. it didn't come on. It was on. Uh, never mind. It came on. It came on whatever fucking channel that Walking Dead came on. AMC. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that. I watched the first season of that, like as it was coming on. On, I think it started around this time of the year because AMC always does its horror flick fest, which I'm sure I'll end up watching a lot of while I'm working from home. Um, the days that I work from home, I usually have something thrown on, so I'll probably catch a bunch of uh, a bunch of slasher classics because they generally just show like you know all of the Halloweens, all of the Friday the Thirteenth. They kind of keep it in that wheelhouse for the most part, but uh, it's. As far as like the psycho films go, I don't know that I've ever seen any of the sequels. Two, dude, two is amazing. It's it's how I feel about um, uh, the Exorcist three, not the second one, but the third one. It's a very impressive sequel based on the first, uh, you know, movie. And I forgot the director that did that one, but he was. He was basically an understudy of Hitchcock, so he he tried to. the The ending's fucking crazy, so I, I did not think that sequel was going to be good. Um, Mr. Mikey O'Rourke uh, might be a hoax of a person, but uh, he's the one who recommended that I went down that rabbit hole. So, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll have to check. It, I'll have to check it out because I've never I've never seen any of the sequels. I've heard good things about the second one, but I've it's just one of those things I never got around to watching. Um, I did watch the TV show that they did when that was airing on I think like Sci-Fi. Yeah. I want to watch that because I want to watch his fucked up childhood now that I watch these movies. So I only saw the first season of that, but it, it was coming on either like, I think it was coming on like after SmackDown or something at one point in time. So I kind of got into watching it, me and the me and the wife. I think she watched all of it, but I, I remember enjoying the first season. I just never got around to finishing it. Yeah, I just, I really, I'm glad I'm... I, Within the last five years, I've come out of the whole, oh, I don't want to watch foreign films because I got to read. I don't want to watch older films because they look old. It's really fucking stupid. And limit yourself into watching some amazing cinema. And Hitchcock, like I said, I watched a bunch when I was younger. Shit, I used to fall asleep. My parents would be like, go to bed after Dick Van Dyke. Don't keep on watching. I never would listen to him. I would be like, five years old watching Hitchcock Presents and then The Twilight Zone before I went to sleep. And then I would have, I would have nightmares and uh, wake up my parents. So <laughs> I watched some Twilight Zone yesterday and was talking about it in the disc in Tom's Discord uh, about favorite Twilight Zone episodes, which of mine is uh, God. now I can't think of the name of it, but it's the it's the one where the six year old kid basically has like godlike powers. He can send you into <laughs> into the abyss. Everyone that has to try terrible. to make him happy. It's terrifying. <laughs> but yeah, glad to be started and going in the direction of Halloween. Because basically September is, you know, it's kind of like November to, to, to Christmas. It's it's like September is, is October Eve, you know? Yeah, and we've actually, I mean, outside of the fact that it's raining a little today, we had some nice fall weather the past few days here in Georgia, which I I was looking super forward to because I'm tired of it being like 96 degrees outside. Jesus. Anything to keep the AC off of like 68, 69, I'm happy with. So, <laughs> But yeah. Anyways, there was also wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, there was <laughs> there was uh, some stuff this week. That's the best way to put it. So should we go into some of these news items? We'll do some highlights for the shows and get out of here. Um, all yeah. right. So which one do we want to go into? I'll, I'll go into this one first. So we had heard, and I don't remember which outlet had stated this, uh, that there was some mending with Ortiz and Santana. Uh, prior to them coming back to AEW. Now, we know that they were kind of put in that stadium stampede match over in the UK. Come to find out, uh, there's a reason why they were never together uh, when they came back initially and really weren't together the whole entire time. Um, it was reported that uh, Santana reportedly had, had to be talked into teaming with Ortiz at All In. So apparently that's still bad. Uh, it would accumulate into them having the match, all the stuff happening with Punk. Uh, Dave, shortly after that, reporting that morale had become good, um, you know, backstage between everyone. And then coincidentally, two days later, Santana basically tells his side of the story, uh, not really 
like indirectly insulting Ortiz throughout it, essentially. And Ortiz took exception to that, and they went back and forth. And once again, there's some uh, two people that we got to worry about interacting with. I guess that's the best way to put it, Chris. Backstage. Yeah, it's so weird. Like at first, I thought they were working an angle or something because like, they're brothers. You'd think they would just call each other on the phone as opposed to taking shots at each other on Twitter. That's it's just it's weirder because they're fucking family. That'd be like if me and you had a Twitter battle instead they're of not, just they're calling. Not they're just um, childhood friends. They've known each other for a long time, but I don't think they're brothers. Oh, for some reason I thought they were brothers, but n- never mind. I guess that makes sense. But either way, they've been together for fucking like. Let's see. They started in Impact in what 2010. So probably if they if they were working indies together, 15 years. Like I think that if you have that kind of beef, just maybe a phone call instead of going at each other on Twitter. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's uh, another thing potentially for AEW to have to worry about that they shouldn't have to worry about. Um, One thing I will say, you know, it's kind of been all but confirmed, Chris, that it seems like Brian Danielson has kind of been positioned, at least uh, in a booking standpoint, below Tony, and he's kind of running collision uh, through Tony. But I'm happy that... uh, a mature mind like Brian that doesn't have as big of an ego as, say, Full Brooks, um, is kind of at that level. If that's completely true, uh, and not just rumor and innuendo, uh, but you know, hopefully this type of stuff can get squashed. Uh, you know, it. When it comes down to it, all I'm trying to say is there was a lot of stuff outside of just punk you know, use versus the elite or whatever, and has been going on for a while. And um, I don't know. It's a, it's a little bit annoying and frustrating as a fan. Yeah. I, the, the loss of punk has not seemed to hurt them in the ratings. They've actually kind of held steady on collision, which I'm a little surprised about because there's, well, we have a big ass football game tonight, which is Georgia versus Auburn. So we'll see how that, that goes, but that's awesome that it, Brian slid into that role. I mean, I don't know if he, if, if he wants a wrestler to run things, you could do a hell of a lot worse than Brian Danielson. That's for sure. Actually, Tony, not too long ago said that if for any way, if he was incapacitated or something happened to him, he would actually want Brian Danielson to run the thing from a wrestling standpoint. So I guess Tony has a pretty good relationship with Brian. Yeah, I mean, and he, well, I know that he's put a lot of faith in Brian Danielson helping some, like, specific stars he wants to push. One that's going to come up in one of our other news articles. So it's kind of cool to hear them that they have that relationship. You don't really hear anyone say anything negative about Brian Danielson. He must be a pretty chill dude. He's got, like, the Terry Funk thing going where no one <laughs> no one has anything negative to say about him, which is kind of few and far between in the wrestling business. Yeah. He seems to be a really well-respected dude, just overall. Um, but yeah, you know, just unfortunate. Hey, if Santana wants to have a solo career, more power to him. I know that he's really his big goal is to win back the World Heavyweight Championship in Puerto Rico. Um, forgot the name of the promotion, but the one that Carlos Colon and now I think his his sons are running. Uh so I know that's that's a goal, but if he really wants to show off on 
AEW, great. He's definitely talented enough. Um, but I also think Ortiz is really fucking talented, and it also sucks that we won't get that tag team back because, honestly, in the last 10 years, I think they were one of the top tag teams that I enjoyed watching. Who is that? God, who is that guy's uh, – he, he just showed up recently in WWE for a second. Uh, I spit in the face of people who don't like to be cool. With, I can't think of his fucking name. Oh, uh, Carlos Colon's son. Um, oh, God damn it. What's his name? He was just on in Puerto Rico. Yeah, that's what I was saying is we just saw him, and now I can't think of his name. So I, I apologize to him. and Carlito, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Apologies for people out there. But, yeah, yeah he's Carlito been running the Puerto and... Rico stuff for a while, right? Carlito and I believe Epico, or whichever one. One's a cousin, one's Carlito's brother, and the other son of Carlos Colon. They're re they like re-debuted, I guess, the Puerto Rican uh promotion. And like I said, I apologize for not remembering it. It's a very, very well known one. And Santana ended up being their champion after some type of thing. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was like a so one man you know what I'm saying, basically. But yeah, I would love to see Carlito show up. Um, because he spits in the face for people that are not cool. <laughs> Yeah, I just remember hearing that he had taken over. I, obviously, um, I'm sure that there's some good wrestling in Puerto Rico, but it's not something that I've kept up with. I know that Savio Vega was also working with that promotion for a while as like a booker recently, but I, I haven't seen anything from that promotion. Um, with, as far as Santana and Ortiz go, um, I don't know. What, what do you do? I mean, what, what would you do with him? Like, put him in someone else's group, I guess? I don't... Um, I, Santana, try his own thing just by himself. Maybe Ortiz put with someone else or, or something else where it's going to be like, you know... It sucks because, obviously, Homicide, I don't think he's getting towards the end of his career, but he's obviously older, if that makes sense. You could definitely put him with Homicide and be another badass tag team. Um, I don't know. I don't even know if Ortiz now wants to do tag team, so he might want to do some solo stuff. But both guys are talented as fuck. But it sucks because they're part of a great tag team. Uh, I mean, I think if I was going to do something with one of those guys to give them a singles push, maybe have one of them show up in this feud with Sammy Guevara and and uh, Chris Jericho, because you could at least tie it back to the original Jericho group. Yeah. Because they're kind of just in a weird spot, like, you know, coming out of a tag team and then being gone for like a year and then coming back and just doing a singles push without really a breakup on the air is kind of like a hard thing to book around. Yeah, absolutely. But we'll have to find out what happens. Uh, they're definitely in the wing. And that's sometimes can be like, you're going to be coming out soon or you're going to be chilling for about the next two months and we'll try to figure out something. So they got a lot yeah. of guys, but they got three shows now that have one linear story between all of them. There's no separation. So there should be some room for Santana and Ortiz to do something. I would say. Well, yeah, technically they have four shows, right? If you include ring of honor, um, yes. they have a lot of, sh they definitely have room for all of the guys. It's just, you know, how do well, you, you make, meaningful i guess is the biggest thing santana going to ring of honor and pushing for the championship and winning that is actually a, an interesting concept honestly 
and if it goes the way that I think it will between Kingston uh, and Claudio with Kingston getting that belt, then there's something you could tie back into that would maybe make a lot of sense. Yeah. And the fact that Ortiz and Kingston already have a friendship, I forgot about that pairing. So he's his best friend, his best friend, his best friend. Um, all right. Let's go <laughs> Don't let Joe time. know that. <laughs> Samoa Joe will take everything. You have friends. <laughs> oh, I got so blocks. All right. Um, this is pretty big news, uh, Chris. It is final. Everything has gone, you know, um, according to plan. Everything's linked up. We finally have the new company. It's not Endeavor. It's not UFC through Endeavor. It's not. WWE through Endeavor, it is now TKO Productions, and they had a huge, like, massive media scrum uh, promoting it with not only the 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 top people over at uh, UFC and WWE, but obviously the leading men in Endeavor. So, lots of pictures. Um, I got to say, the ones with Triple H and um, Dana White together, they they could be like. I don't know, like, not mafia, but, like, evil businessmen in, like, a, an action movie together that are brothers, you know, the way that they look, I think. Um, I think Hunter would take that as a compliment, hopefully. Yeah, Hunter would take it as a compliment. Dana White would probably bitch about it. <laughs> that seems like it. It seems like how that would go. Yeah, the pictures are crazy, man. It's, in, it's insane. We're in the first... Uh... I don't know. First time in my entire life that a McMahon did not own WWF, which is still crazy to think about. Um, the TKO oh, well, stuff, as far as I know, was them combining for the stock market, right? So they, they wanted yep. to use that as the... They're going public. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's insane like how much they paid to get WWE. And it's also insane thinking about what they're asking for for these new TV deals, because they're basically asking for double what they were making previously. So if they re-sign that USA TV deal for Raw, I don't know that they're going to be able to, or I don't know that Fox is going to want to pay what they're asking, but it's going to be interesting to see what goes down with all that shit, simply because like the ratings on SmackDown have been very, very good. And they I know they're going to lose viewership if they move it from like free primetime tv to back to like a and e or wherever the fuck it would land they're talking that disney would buy it so it would land on one of their networks like fx or something i would assume it's interesting um and i do really like it on fox it's just kind of convenient and obviously they've done a really great job with ratings because of the fact that it is on you know your basic channels you don't even have to have cable to be able to watch it but when it comes to this partnership it's a uh, very interesting so basically, speaking about looking like villains, uh, Vince McMahon looking like a 1940s fucking villain uh, with that mustache. Jeez, he's like fucking. He's like Walt Disney's evil twin with that fucking mustache. Oh my God. Evil Walt Disney. That's that's great. Uh, he he looks like he should be in the Adams family, you know. Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, if you told Dana White, and we said this last time when this first initially was happening. Tina White five years ago, Vince is going to be your boss one day. Probably like, get the fuck out of here. I'm not, what, what are you fucking talking about? But uh, that's now happening underneath 
the, the Endeavor guys, he's kind of the position along with the on-top business guys in UFC and their generals, if you will, are Dana White and Nick Khan. And then Triple H is now the booker primarily and all that jazz. But um, yeah, this is this is an interesting concept. Uh, I like that TKO belt. I wonder who's going to try to win that. Maybe it'll be Brock Lesnar. I guess that would make sense. I'm, a, I'm I'm just kidding. But it was a cool concept to kind of solidify. I just think that if anyone is apprehensive, this is going to be my opinion. If anyone's apprehensive of this partnership, this means if you are a UFC fan, the set and the spectacle is going to be up a notch. Um, and also, as Nick Khan mentioned, uh, his hopes are that if there are UFC fighters, you know, a lot of them by their mid-30s are kind of like trailing out. Those are some of the prime years. Now, obviously, in concept, maybe some of them are not going to take on to wrestling as well as others. But the fact that he sees it as an opportunity for some UFC fighters to have a, a second life, if you will, that connection's already there. I, I'm glad that Dana also stated, Chris, that basically he's not. He's not worried and not going to, like, try to – essentially, he said, there is a crossover audience, obviously, between the two. But if people aren't, that doesn't mean that they have to or shift or anything like that. I don't think either one of us are going to be promoting this. But obviously, you're going to see prime wrestlers at the UFC events. You're going to see the impact of the production aspect within their company now. I think these guys can benefit from each other. And I really honestly think that the biggest thing, they're not going to do shows together where we watch one match after the other after the other. But we can, you know, maybe they'll try us out in Saudi Arabia, have a two-night concept where one night it's the WWE spectacle and the other night it's the UFC spectacle. And that's kind of like a connected, promoted event. Um so that's kind of an interesting concept altogether. Just having this partnership, it seems like it's very beneficial for both parties. Yeah, uh, I know that the, the what the the leader of Endeavor, the head guy for Endeavor, was talking about the crossover appeal, and and Dana White kind of poo pooed on it a little bit, and got himself in some hot water. Um, but there definitely is some crossover. I don't know that it's you know not all wrestling fans are going to be UFC fans. I think they're kind of different things um but it is cool that they're talking about doing like events in the same city like you know if if, if wwe is running a pay-per-view in las vegas it maybe maybe makes sense to move that to like a friday night if ufc is going on saturday or do it during the day on saturday um which wwe has kind of done that in the past when they've run las vegas they try to start the show a little early or try to keep it away from big boxing events and ufc events and this kind of gives you like a lead in for both, um, regardless of how you do it. And what'll be really interesting to see is like, is UFC going to use like WrestleMania weekend to book like a big pay-per-view to coincide with that three day crazy, you know, WrestleMania weekend thing. Um, so stuff like that, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, it's just insane, man. We talked we talked about Vince trying to sell a company for like three years, and it finally happened. And now I'm like shocked that it actually happened, which just sounds stupid. But I just, you know, I thought maybe he would probably die before <laughs> actually selling the company. Yeah, it's it's nuts. I guess the the juice was too, uh, you know, worth the squeeze. He knows 
you know, even though I don't think he's going to be as absent-minded because he's, well, he's done some probably terrible stuff to his body, but he's also taking care of himself. He's getting closer and closer to the end of his career. To still be one of the top guys uh, running this whole entire concept and setting up this whole deal, and he made a shit ton of money for it, you know, is kind of like a cherry on the cake and a very Vince McMahon way to step down as not the head of the company uh, that he's presenting. So, you know, I guess it's a win-win for him. Yeah, I don't know if it's a win-win for us, though, because he was back on Raw making changes on Monday. So, yep. We will will have to see, but it's supposedly Triple H is still head of creative, so... Uh, with Vince having the ability to overrule him. Um, but from the accounts we heard this week, Vince was in Raw making changes last minute again, uh, which, I don't know. Triple H has been doing a pretty good job, Vince. Maybe just let him run the run the fucking TV show. Yeah, I, I just feel like, um, I don't know, I'm just hopeful that since he's going to be, you know, it seems like he's going to have a lot more to do now that this is all official. So hopefully he doesn't have a chance to do it as much. But then again, <laughs> how do we know that Vince was like what happened on SmackDown last night wasn't Vince related? Um, you know, so there is that. But obviously Hunter is head of creative. Someone asked me if he was like, oh, I heard that he was leaving. And I'm like, no, what the, who, who told you that? What's <laughs> There's not many places for like a head of creative wrestling wise that he could go. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I'm sure Impact would fucking take him in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> they can afford Hunter. No, they <laughs> he could just he could just live off of the stock sales that he made <laughs> during that WWE merger or whatever. He doesn't. Could you imagine that yeah. meeting though? Like he comes back and he's like. All right, guys, we're going to make this show huge. And Scott DeMore's like, thank you so much for coming, Hunter. And then he's like, wait, Tommy, why are you crying in the corner? What's going on, man? Oh, man. I'm just, like, thinking about, you know it's eventually going to happen, but they're going to have, like, the Joe Rogan podcast with fucking Dana White and Triple H. (laughs) That would be awesome, actually. I'm very, we've joked about that. I'm very interested in, in something like that happening. I think both those guys should want to do that. I mean, if anything, it it would just, they can continue to bitch about each other, but it'll be in a setting where everyone stands to make a little bit of money off of it, at least. Yep. But um, I guess that's the main stuff. Do you have anything uh, to say about the situation? I have one more mention that goes into our next topic, but before that, uh, TKO is its own company. It's now fresh on the market if you will, and uh, we're going to be doing this going forward. Could be some crazy stuff. Could be just, you know, not that big of a deal at all. Yeah, I mean, I was, I've was i been talking to a couple of friends about the TKO merger, and the biggest thing is we've already started to get production layoffs, from oh, WWE, yeah. which we kind of knew was coming. But uh, the other thing to keep in mind is we probably will see some older wrestlers just get their contracts released. That's what they did in UFC with their older fighters. They basically either let their contracts run out or gave them the opportunity to leave and go over wherever they wanted. I would assume that we're going to see the same thing in WWE. So 
for people like a Bobby Roode or Dolph Ziggler, etc., some of those guys that haven't been utilized or maybe only in a backstage role to some aspects, uh, I wouldn't don't be surprised if you see them uh, get released here in the near future, which was the only negative thing about this merger. And we talked about that before the sell ever happened. I was like, they're going to start cutting jobs because now they have. Like they don't need two production teams for both UFC and WWE. They'll just be combining those teams, which means you're going to get cuts on both sides, which is the uh, the sad part of of all of this. But I, I am interested to see what they do, and uh, also interested to see some of these guys like Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler and people that aren't being utilized maybe uh, head on down the road, as uh, Steve Austin would say. Gotta keep on down, keep on down the road. What? <laughs> but you never thought you'd hear Austin singing The Wiz? Ha! Yeah, yeah but I, I agree with you, man. Um, it's just an interesting com- concept uh, and an unfortunate situation when it comes to... Because this is going to be a lot of employees. Uh, I, I'm sure there'll be talents, but not necessarily talents, producers, like you said, uh, some of the people behind the scenes from both companies. Because UFC is doing the same thing. So uh, it's unfortunate. This is how business is. I just hope that Nick Khan, I saw his little post about it. Uh, I hope he's, I hope they do get really good severance packages because that's going to suck just in general. Yeah, your company gets bought for like $8.5 billion and then you, <laughs> they give you a watch and tell you a machine done took your dad job, daddy. Oh, that's that's hot time. Now, all Um, all joking aside, though, I I feel for all those guys. um, You know, if there's talent coming from that production room that other companies could utilize, I'm sure that they'll, you know, get picked up. It wouldn't necessarily hurt AEW to have uh, some of the people that work behind the scenes in WWE. And it really wouldn't help, or it really wouldn't hurt to help uh, fucking MLW or NWA to have some better. You know, uh, production people uh, with better, more miles, if you will. So, I'm sure a lot of these people, and even in television outside of wrestling, will find another job uh, elsewhere. But that is the problem when it comes to all these companies merging. This just happened with Fox and Disney. You know? Yeah, it's it just sucks. I feel I feel for all the employees, and I you know wish them all well. And we will, like I said, I guess we'll see where this shit leads us. Um, I don't I don't expect there to be too many changes, though, because both companies are doing really well. So I don't know that they're going to rock the boat too much. Going to rock the boat, rock the boat, change position. New. Oh, sorry. That was my Leah tribute of the day. Um, trying to find this. Uh, I want to go have over. Like a, a, have you noticed like a big amount of kids wearing Aaliyah shirts? I know that they started like, did they like release her name or something for copyright sales? I, I see like her shirts at like Target and Walmart constantly now, which is kind of a weird, odd thing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is uh, the same situation with ACDC and other uh, stuff that we've seen. Like, I like this band. Nirvana's awesome. And they don't know who who the fuck. Um, that's what I always think. The Aaliyah one's just weird because even when she was popular, when I was in like middle school, etc., I don't remember kids rocking Aaliyah gear. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of a weird, a weird thing. Yep. I'm trying to find a stamp. Uh, right. Where did I put it? Okay. The other, so, the other one that uh, the other one that I've noticed recently as well is Slipknot. There's a fuck ton of Slipknot shirts everywhere I go. Hell yeah! I want. What was the What was their first album? God damn it! I can't remember. It had such a cool I, name. I, uh, no, What's that? That's not, it's not Iowa. Iowa's the their yeah. second album, right? That's their second album. I don't remember. Uh, it doesn't matter. But I'm down with Slipknot. I feel bad. I heard that uh, Corey's has uh, chronic pain and uh, he's been dealing with it for a long time, not telling anyone about it. So his fingers, everything's fucking it's dealing with similar things that uh, Lady Gaga is dealing with. So that sucks to hear because he's a rocker. He wants to rock and uh, his fingers are kind of uh, going against him now. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard that in the, the first thought I thought of was fucking Phil Insamo, which is like part of the reason he left Pantera originally, which was performing like at the level that those guys do in their various metal bands uh it's it's really hard on your body which is i guess something you know you don't really think about that much but it is insane yeah he said that uh the doctor told him he had the arthritis of someone in their late 70s so i think that was a big uh wake-up call for him but you know you heard it here first kids lay off the headbanging yeah, no shit. All right, so uh, let's get back into this. Last thing coming out of this, going into our next subject. Um, of course, because of his involvement, I guess you could call it that, in UFC, and obviously he's a uh, prime person to be talking about, Mr. Phil Brooks. Uh, Khan, Mr. Nick Khan, was asked about uh, Phil during this whole entire skirmish from one outlet, and he said, listen, we only have respect for Phil. We appreciate his run here. We appreciate what he did and tried to do with the UFC. Not many people uh, can actually get in there and do what he did. So when uh, we have respect for Phil, we wish him nothing but the best. Now, this can come off two different ways, but this will connect to the next story because Phil was doing commentary for a uh, smaller MMA league last night, and there were some comments thrown out. Uh, that could suggest that there is a, you know, a Phil going to WWE, a CM Punk back at WWE. But you break this down in two ways. Part of it is like, you know, not excluding him, counting him out automatically, saying we don't want to fucking talk about that. Like, I would assume it might be due to what happened with his relation uh, with WWE on the way out and the whole suing and, and all that stuff, you know. Uh, but this also makes me think that it's also just cordial. And when I see, we wish him nothing but the best, it kind of makes me think of, uh, we wish them on their best endeavors or whatever the fuck they say on their tagline. So before we go into the stuff that happened last night, um, and the hints comments that were made by punk, uh, what do you think about this statement from Nick Khan? Is it just saving face, Chris, or do you think that all the rumors we're hearing, as crazy as it sounds, might be true that Chicago Survivor Series Punk might show up, possibly. I mean, I think there's just a possibility, knowing Punk's personality, right, that he would want to stick it to Tony Khan, and the best way for him to do that is to show up on fucking WWE. So, um, as far as Nick Khan's comments, I mean, 
that guy kind of he's really good at business we'll say that <laughs> i don't think you're, you're gonna get you that's kind of the statement i would assume that he would say like the same thing they were talking about vince mcmahon stepping down and all the news surrounding that if you remember his comments during that time period they were kind of the same the same level of uh giving you information at least very vague but uh you know kind of uh, like a politician would say something on those lines yeah i agree with you so anyway, so last night, kind of going, uh, you know, within this, uh, Cage Fury Fighting Championships had an event, and CM Punk was providing commentary, and they were, like, building him up, um, you know, being a part of the broadcasting group. Uh, John Morgan, one of the guys, stated that Punk was back with Cause, and Punk said that um, he basically had uh, the next two months, um, you know, that are free for him. And they were joking back and forth. And, I, 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 you know, he was kind of like, so what are you going to do? Like, you know, trying to, like, bring whatever information. And and he uh, kind of jumped on top of it and says, so, well, what do you want to talk about? Like, you know, Cody's line. So, I mean, this just could have been innocent. But uh, Punk has two months. He can't do anything. And after that two months, what's in common? Oh, that's around the time that Survivor Series is. So. Just a, just a coincidence, I have no idea. But it, It's weird to me that you can still have a no-compete when you get fired. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, It seems like the non-compete shouldn't matter, but um, Punk's contract was a little bit weird anyways because he got suspended and they renegotiated his deal, and there's a bunch of stuff around that. Um, I, I mean, I don't know, man. There's a high likelihood that he's we're going to see him. I don't know that it'll necessarily be at Survivor Series, but I would not be surprised if you see him as we head towards the WrestleMania, like at Rumble or something a little further or closer to WrestleMania. Uh, I mean, it's really going to be up to him. I, you know, he, he does have the motivation factor now of fuck that other company, which might be the thing that brings him and WWE back together, which is really... Really weird to think about, but. You know, the enemy of my friend is the friend of my enemy. Is that how? I don't remember. Um, the enemy of the, the enemy of what is it? Heck, now, now you got me fucking it up. <laughs> the friend of my enemy is a uh, friendly enemy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's it. All right. Uh, yeah, it's just interesting. I'm sure we're going to find more rumors, some true, some untrue in the weeks to come. But, you know, that's just uh, the industry. A lot of people are talking about this actually looking like a possibility. And there's been positive wrestling uh, reactions from WWE and also negative ones. So, uh, you know, that's that, I guess. I want to go over to... Enemy of my enemy is my friend. There we go. Fuck. There you go. My stepdad is my mom's friend that's a step further from her um yeah or, so brother you know i was uh over there in, uh, in japan uh yeah there were samurais and everything brother and uh you know i was the one who made peace with all of them and they stopped they put down their swords because of hulk hogan brother um anyways dude me and rodzilla were hanging and banging in north korea <laughs> i punched uh kim jong-un in the face because he wouldn't let me play real American when I came out. <laughs> right, um, so two more news items. Uh, 
who are basically the ends of wrestling programs with their uh, their 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 main events. Uh, but the first one, we'll talk about this. I think that the accomplishment, regardless um, that they did over at Wembley, AEW is incredible. Uh, but they were claiming eighty one thousand thirty five for the official number of paid tickets at the show. I want to start by saying this. If anything, they learned from the best because we've called out WWE doing this for a long time, ever since Gorilla Monsoon uh, made his attendance record uh, for uh, WrestleMania 3. But apparently from what the Brett Council, which I don't know what the fuck they are, I guess they count up shit, uh, had a request and actually got the actual turnstile count and that was 72,265. So still an incredible number. Also puts them still underneath what the projected realistic uh, WrestleMania 3 crowd was. And also what um, WrestleMania, what was it? One where Kofi won the championship uh, from a few years back. Their their attendance record, which, which was still ridiculous. But I really... I think this happens in pro wrestling. I think this is, a, this is something that has been set from Vince with what he did. I don't blame anyone for fudging numbers, counting every fucking worker in the building, you know, buying tickets for, for sections or some shit like that in small areas and giving those away or whatever. That happens within wrestling. But at the same time, you know, I'm sure since... Since John Cena was in the UK, the last time they were there for King of the Castle and talked about a WrestleMania in the UK, I'm sure they're thinking about Wembley and what they can do and how many people they can probably inevitably lie about having uh, under their watch. But um, what do you think about all this, Chris? Well, I mean, I don't think that they lied. When you're talking about turnstile counts, that's people that actually go through a turnstile. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure that they had to open up multiple different gates. I mean, you've been to big like shows and shit. Not you don't always end up going through a turnstile. So like those counts, we're talking about a ten thousand. Let's say even if it was like a five thousand people person difference. I mean, it's it's. I mean, that's like an impossibility for us to know because for all we know, the venue decided, oh man, we need to get these people in here faster and bypassed a turnstile. But what we do know is that's the paid ticket number. So they sold that many tickets, whether they were all in the building or not. That's it's kind of irrelevant. It's weird that these two companies are having a pissing contest over attendance when you look at, like, I don't know, a Taylor Swift show. <laughs> selling out, like, <laughs> selling out, like, a football stadium three days in a row. But whatever. It's kind of like they're having a, a pissing contest that no one cares about. Oh, they definitely are. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Hasn't UFC done better numbers at certain venues than WWE? I'm sure they have. I, I'm sure that they have. Especially, thank you. Uh, I'm sure that they have. Especially if you're talking about some of those shows that they've done in like Abu Dhabi and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was wondering, but. You know, it is what it is. This is definitely a pissing contest, but uh, you know, that's that's the wrestling industry, right? Cut I mean, part of this is there's just like 
I mean, it's it's almost like a fan hatred generated thing against Tony Khan. Like, it, instead of people being like, hey, they sold 70, even if it was 72,000 tickets, that's a fuck ton of tickets for a company that started like four years ago. I didn't think they, I didn't think they were going to hit 60. So they exceeded what I was expecting. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a huge accomplishment regardless. Uh, all right. Our last little bit of uh, news. Before we go over highlights of these shows. Uh, they're actually the main events from Rampage of last night. And what that entails for Miss Jay Cargill and what we've heard. And also the new championship from the main event of NXT. So we'll do these separately, Chris. I thought it was a really good match. We had Becky previous week call out uh, Tiffany Stratton. They had a, a little bit of an interaction when Tiffany was at Raw previously. So she called her out. Tiffany accepted. They had a good match. I know people are saying that Tiffany got buried. <sighs> Whatever. Um, and and Becky won, and she has now claimed the one women's championship she never got. And uh, I'm sure it's going to bring a lot of viewers' eyes towards NXT if she's on there, which has been a part of their strategy, interchanging some of the main roster, to not only bring viewers, but also work with the younger members of the NXT roster and get them more ready for going up to the main roster. Uh, I really like Tiffany Stratton. She kind of reminds me of like a Mean Girls, kind of like an early Trish, if you will, that heel Trish she's trying to do now, but like when she was really that bitchy level. Um, she definitely has a lot going for her. She's athletic. She's a little bit green, but I know that they're interested in her going to the main roster. Um, and this could be a situation where her and Becky end up having a long feud and she gets that title back. I don't think there was anything bad in Tiffany Stratton taking a loss to the man. And this kind of just opens up a lot of different things creatively, I think, for NXT, Chris. I agree with you. And I don't know why anyone would say Tiffany Stratton got buried in this situation. If anything, it brought more eyes to the NXT product, which was shown in the fact that they had their highest rated show since they premiered on USA. So that's <laughs> taking a loss to Becky is not the worst thing that can happen to you, uh, considering she is one of the most popular people in the entire company. And I would, I would also, you know, tell those people to go back and they said the same thing about Rhea and Charlotte. And now look at where Rhea is. So I don't know. People are just fucking whining for no reason. But I like Tiffany Stratton a lot. That, I thought that was one hell of a match on NXT. Um, and I look forward to seeing them feud because I don't think they're going to bring Tiffany Stratton up immediately. Because like you said, she is still a little green. Um, there's some spots where she gets lost sometimes in matches or they try to do too much. But uh, for someone that's been there, what, less than a year? I think she's doing pretty fucking good. Yeah, I agree. I guess two other big things from NXT, if we if we want to talk about it. Um, the the first thing, Ilya Dragunov beat Wesley, number one contender. And I feel like he lost the last time. And I like Carmelo Hayes a lot, but he's also someone that has been already on the main roster shown couple times, uh, especially interacting with Bob Bobby Lashley in his new group with the Street Profits. 
So I could see Carmelo making his way, and I think Ilya's way beyond ready, but if we really want to get an NXT run out of him before he comes up, you know, strategically putting people that are at your top in NXT in different time periods, I don't think it's a bad idea at all, instead of trying to release all of them at once into the wild, if you will. But uh, Ilya had a good match against Wesley, and he's the number one contender. To me, he needs to take that belt from Carmelo Hayes this time. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think it is time to give him a little bit of a title run. Um, as far as him going to the main roster, damn, that would be a big loss for NXT. Because <laughs> yeah. he, he is by far the best wrestler on that show. Um, and, I mean, he might be the most underrated wrestler in the world right now. Like, people don't talk about my favorites. He's fucking good, man. Like he had a great match with Trick Williams. Like how do you yeah. how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Your name has to be Ilya, apparently. Um, no, he's going to be great. Whatever they do with him, I mean, if they were going to bring him to the main roster, I would assume it would be to do something with Walter, right? Yes. Like I said, it's either him or Gable that I want to see take that IC belt now that Gunther has got the the record. Now it's. All bets are off, and those are my two guys I'd like to see going for that title against him. They are starting to plant the seeds of a breakup of Imperium, and I wonder if that would be to set up like a way to bring Ilya in to team with one of the members of Imperium against Gunther and the other member. Because like G- Gunther has been yelling... I can't think of the, the fucking member of Imperium's name, but there is one guy in Imperium that Gunther has been really disappointed in lately. It continues to get pinned whenever they do a fucking trios match. So, yes. So I, I could see them doing something like that if they wanted to bring him up sooner. Um, and then you could get, you know, you can get right back. You can put Chad Gable over. That causes the breakup of Imperium. Ilya comes in to help the, the odd man out in that group. The tag, you do some tags and then you set up, uh, you know, Ilya versus Walter. I, I could see them doing something like that, for sure. Even if it's those three guys, you know, the main guys in that picture, that would be really cool uh, for the IC belt. I love that the IC belt, I think, has immensely been elevated by Gunther, who is obviously one of the best wrestlers on the planet uh, as far as a package of every aspect. Uh, incredible. It, it's insane that WWE started doing the thing that me and you and a lot of media had been yelling about for years, which is, hey, make your title actually mean something, and then people will care more about your product. <laughs> Fucking which, weird. Which is what they've done with Walter and Roman. And in the women's title as well. So it's, you know, that's fucking that titles. shit. Yeah, yeah, oh, the tag titles too. Which I know that a lot of people have given them shit because they're like, oh, they're just trying to break a record with every title. Uh, I'm not going to bitch about that because it makes the title mean a hell of a lot more. Like Chad Gable winning this title now has a lot more meaning than it would have if he just won it randomly. Yeah, we've always talked about as great as it is having the record of the most reigns, you still lost uh, to, to get to that next record. So when it actually comes to someone keeping that title for a long period of time, that was heavily practiced in the 70s and 80s and kind of lost that in the 90s and going onward with the value of the titles. 
Yeah, I mean, before Roman, what was the the last longest streak was Punk, right? Either Punk or AJ. Both of them had one title for a very long period of time. I don't remember which one beat who or who had the title the longest. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have any problem. If they want to keep the belt on Walter forever, I mean, I, that doesn't hurt my feelings either because he's had one hell of a run and continues to give us great matches every week, so. Well, you said Trick Williams, uh, and now we'll talk about maybe maybe his uh, female equivalent, Miss Jay Cargill. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> they, have a, they have a lot of personality. They can perform in the ring. They probably just need a little bit more, uh, you know, seasoning, but, you know, whatever. Not so much an insult. Anyways, so Jade had her match, um, and she put over uh, Chris Statlander. They had a pretty good match last night on Rampage. Uh, and at the end of it, they shook each other's hands and hugged. And apparently this was Jade's last match in WWE. And it's being reported by Fightful, so Mike Johnson, that Cargill is now leaving AEW and expected to sign with WWE. I think the biggest thing, Chris, and I'm sure you're going to say the same thing, have Jade go to NXT. She needs to get some more fundamentals. Her character work is great. I mean, as far as that... You know, maybe if she takes, like, a Lex Luger approach and doesn't try to do as much and just acts like a fucking muscle-bound, you know, female, that might be a better route. But I think that she has what it takes to learn some more athletic stuff. She just needs to know when to use it and, uh, you know, zone in our in our, her craft. But uh, I would definitely have her go for the Women's Championship pretty quickly. But I could see... As far as a star to get in the ring and go back and forth with Charlotte uh, when she gets a little more fine-tuning and, and other, you know, superstars, I think Jade actually fits into that world a little bit better than she did in AEW. But if she's gone from AEW, you know, she's got to do what she's got to do. We got the bidding war of 2024, man. MJF goes over, and if Punk comes, that's a quite a few people starting with Cody. To deflect, Chris. Yeah, the Jake Cargill one is an interesting question of whether she will do well in WWE or not, because she's going to have to dial back what her character was in AEW. And also, WWE is not just going to book her where she wins every fucking match. So that's that's going to be the tough thing for her. And I agree with you. I think that, you know, she's working kind of a limited schedule with AEW. Uh, you know, really only traveling once a week, where if she's in WWE, on the main roster at least, she's going to have a hell of a lot more travel. <sighs> so, I, I will see. I'm not I'm not 100% sold that this is not just a way to try to get more money out of Tony Khan. And like you were saying, if she's going to go to NXT, the, you would think AEW would match whatever contract WWE throws out there. So WWE is going to have to overpay for a person on NXT, like if you're fucking Ilya and you find out Jade Cargill's like making a million dollars on NXT, uh, I think that would kind of, I mean, I would think that would piss the rest of the roster off, but I could be wrong. Absolutely. No, that, that's a very good point. All right. Um, we're done talking about that. Let's talk about some highlights from the three other shows. And, and real quick, I do I do want to say that I do think there's potential with Jade Cargill. Um, yeah. 
And and I think, you know, her working a slower style, a WWE style, will be beneficial for her. Because part of the problem in AEW is they do everything at a thousand fucking miles an hour. And I think, you know, her slowing down and having like a methodical match with like a Charlotte will be better than anything she did in AEW. I'm so curious of her and Bianca reacting for each other, uh, to each other. That would be a lot of fucking fun. Because, of course, Bianca's going to be like, girl, you didn't even go here. Jesus Christ. All right. Um, Bianca's gone for, uh, she's on, what, leave for two months, three months or something? Oh, she is? Yeah. She's not hurt. She's taking like a mental break or something, I guess. But yeah, I heard that she's going to be gone for like two or three months. Oh, shit. Well, you know, get your head better. I completely get it. Um, I, I mean, it's, you know, to her credit, she was like on every fucking show for like two years. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. It's, it's fine for her to have two months off. <laughs> yep. No, I agree. All right, so Raw, we talked about it being a clusterfuck. I don't think there's really a lot to talk about. Um, it just seemed like a couple of matches put together. The big thing is, well, Gunther and Gable are now actually having a, another match. So we're extending this feud, which I think is good. Um, and I like, like I said, I like their matches. So Gunther's one of those guys that, you know, like a Kenny um, or Okada or certain wrestlers where it's like them doing it or FTR, for example, series of matches. You always see something new in all of the different matches. So I like their last one. Let's see what a, a big high profile uh, pay-per-view match with Guther and Gable is going to be like. Um, do you agree? Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I do feel like the Gable needs to win. Um, and I really liked his promo to build up the match where he was like, pivoting to that moment they had in the crowd where his daughter was like crying as Walter was just beating the absolute shit out of him. Uh, he's like, she won't be crying this time when I take the title from you, which I, I thought that was great. That's just old school storytelling. And I appreciate it. Chad Gable and Gunther out here putting in that fucking work. Absolutely. You know, I was thinking about it. Their relationship in a lot of ways reminds me of Angle and uh, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, yeah, no, that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. You got two legitimate athletes. I, yeah, for sure. Gable, obviously, the angle in this situation, I'm thinking, right? But yeah, that's... Uh, like Angle was towards Brock, I don't think Gable is scared of Gunther, as intimidating as he is. No, I mean, he's like a legit fucking Olympic wrestler you know he doesn't he, that, i mean that's why yeah i could see a lot of correlation there i think that is a great uh a great view there Shane. and i do what i can i think the biggest thing we got to talk about from raw is the main event rhea ripley raquel gonzalez i thought they were having a good match and then at the end i don't even know like See, I'm assuming Nia Jax is ready to come back, and I'm sh certain that Vince all of a sudden decided to let this go into this weird her coming back. And I don't know. I'm not very interested in Rhea Ripley against Nia. Uh, it will be a monster she has to defeat. I just, for being a part of the Analoa family, I don't understand how Nia Jax. She's good. When it comes to her 
being the aggressive character of of Nia Jax, she's got it. And her talking shit and all that, it's just a carelessness. And, like, don't make us go back to Kari Sane or whipping around fucking Sasha or, or, or Charlotte, you know, in their altercations in the past. Stephen Richards, if you're a fan of uh, Stephen Richards from wrestling ECW, he was also part of the uh, uh, the censor group, um, uh, right to censor uh, in the Attitude Era. But he does videos and shows you how wrestlers do certain things a certain way, you know, with their style, and also breaks down botches. So this is a immediate one for him to talk about because it's it's like. Raquel Rodriguez behind the uh, ref's back when Nia gets there. She fucking takes her and just Samoan drops her. And it's not like a Samoan drop where she's holding her up and making sure she kind of falls on the floor a little bit less. No, she just drops her, like, down, fucking with all of her weight on top of her. And then, which is even dumber, Raquel ends up recovering from it and getting back in the ring. So it was like, so what the fuck was the point of that big move? Well, anyways... you know, Naya causes a DQ in the match and then beats the shit out of Rhea Ripley and takes her and does her cousin Rodney, a.k.a. Yokozuna's bonsai drop in the corner. But normally, for everyone, um, Rodney would grab the fucking ropes and hold them to hold himself up. Now, she straight just went down on Rhea's chest, could have broke one of her ribs. And as, you know, if you think about it with women wrestlers, and Steven Richards brought this up. If if Rhea had breast implants, that shit could have popped. Like, it happened to Charlotte not too long ago. Uh, so, I just... God damn it, man. She's so reckless, and this is not a good way of uh, reintroducing her. Especially breaking up a good match between friends that I want to see more from their rivalry because they have good in-ring uh, compatibility. So, what did you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, it also makes me worried that they're just done with Raquel. Because they, when they do something like this, where they just insert someone else into the feud, that kind of means that they've moved on from whatever that story was, in, at least in WWE. Especially if Vince was there on Monday. Uh, so that, I mean, that makes me worried, because I think that they could, they, there was a lot more there, and it would have helped both people. I, I have no interest in watching Ajax wrestle anyone. As far as someone that needs to go the fuck back to NXT, she is, like, right up there on that list. Like, way ahead of Jade Cargill on that list. Like, if I was wrestling, and they were like, alright, you can wrestle Nia Jax or Jade Cargill, I would take Jade Cargill 10 out of 10. <laughs> like, without even thinking about it. Um, yeah, it was ridiculous. Like, she could have fucking... She could have legitimately killed... And I'm not over-exaggerating this. Rhea Ripley. We just, I mean, we've seen it in football last year you hit someone in the chest hard enough they, they can have their heart stop like it's she's fucking reckless i don't i don't even know how you fuck up a bonsai drop um the only time i ever saw yoko zuna fuck up about well he didn't fuck it up he did it on purpose <laughs> so he he was legitimately trying to hurt somebody but outside of that yeah i mean that was the first thing i noticed even before you sent me the stevie richards thing was that she just like straight fucking dropped all of her weight down, center mass onto someone's chest like she's? Uh, I, I I don't even know what to say. We've been bitching about how reckless she is in the ring for fucking years now, and and she hasn't gotten any better. That's the more frustrating thing. Like it's not like she is two months into NXT and, and made some mistakes. Like she's been fucking wrestling in WWE for five years at this point. 
Yeah, I just, it's a very tone deaf. Um, I don't get it, man. I really don't. I don't know why you would put her in, in the ring with your fucking hottest star, knowing that she is a liability. No idea. No idea. And, and also, it doesn't work for, like, people want to see Rhea demolish people. <laughs> so putting her in there with Nia, now you have Rhea working as a fucking sympathetic baby face? Like, all of it's dumb, Dane. All of that is dumb. Yeah, it is uh, fucking dumb. I don't get it. And we've been having some pretty damn good Raws lately, so that was a little bit... That was very disappointing, actually. So, yep. Should we talk about Wednesday? I was just thinking maybe they should bring Charlotte back. <laughs> Since last time Naya was in the ring with her, they uh, got into a fucking cat fight in the middle of the ring. Oh, uh, yeah. Fucking Naya, like, hit her like a bear hits with her paws. <laughs> Smacked her face around a couple times. That was enough. I doubt when she did the the fucking bonsai drop, and she was over, you know, and she's on top of Rhea Ripley's, you know, hands, and then she starts smacking her in the face. It's like that. That seems like a little bit of going in the business for yourself. I I doubt Rhea Ripley said that was cool. Yeah, Um, Rhea's a professional, so she probably didn't bitch about it at all. But uh. Uh, my the only moment of Nia Jax's career I have enjoyed was her yelling "my hole," so that sums up my feelings of Nia. Yeah, I, the only thing she retained from being a part of that family lineage is the headbutts. That's the only thing she's got. Everything else looks like hot garbage. <laughs> Which I wouldn't let her headbutt me in a million years. <laughs> Not the unconscious. Like, no, I don't want a Sonata or a uh, Shibata headbutt. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good on all of that. If if the choice was, like, wrestle against Nia Jax or retire, I would probably just retire, bud. <laughs> oh, God, I agree with you. All right. Um, let's go over AEW. Same thing. Some stuff's worth talking about. Some stuff, eh, you know. I think the uh, first thing... It was really weird, like... So the first match we have... John Moxley, who is the new international champion, going against Big Bill. I thought they had a good match. I swear to God, I think, was it 75 seconds, and then Moxley was bleeding? Um, but when it comes to the Blackpool Combat Club and the way that John Moxley was performing in this match, it almost came off very, uh, very, very babyface. Um, and I'm just really confused at this point on Danielson, Moxley, Claudio, like... Are they? I mean, I get the tweener concept, but they're going either one way far one way or one way far the other way. So it's very hard to put like a, you know, what are, exactly are they? But either way, Moxley defeated Bill, Big Bill. And uh, yeah, um, that's, uh, that's about it. Moxley's a fucking workhorse for AEW. Like, think about... Think about how long Moxley has been in, in AEW and the level he is still working at. It's kind of insane. Um, Being but yeah. honest about how much in pain he is. Yeah, it's 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 nuts. Um, yeah, he was working more of, uh, more as a baby face. I think maybe that group is not that 
long for the world, especially if Claudio is dropping that title to Eddie Kingston. So uh, maybe they're maybe they're getting ahead of the ball by having you know Brian Danielson be more of a babyface and Moxley be more of a babyface, so that they have you know a good mid card to heavyweight card for the inevitable inevitable. Um, they have tons of heels in that company, but they don't have you know, like pure baby faces, maybe outside of Orange Cassidy. Uh, so it, it makes a lot of sense if that's where they're going to go. I, I could see that group breaking up. I mean, there's only so many times you can see them wrestle a fucking five versus five garbage match before people stop caring. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. I don't know. It's like Danielson seems like the ultimate baby face. It's very hard for me to boo him. Even if he's being a good heel, but he hasn't been even when the Blackpool Combat Club was for the most part. And yeah, I, I could see stuff definitely kind of fizzling out with that group. We'll have to see. But uh, I mean, this is even written down in the Bleacher Report, whoever's covering this. Oh, look, Mox Bled. It's a parody at this point. <laughs> hey, man likes to get color. I, I don't know. It doesn't, I mean, the problem is he does it so much that it doesn't add anything to the match. (laughs) That's my biggest thing. I I get that the idea, the the entire point of bleeding is it's supposed to add some emotional drama. But like, if you just bleed every fucking match, it takes away from it actually mattering. So, and that goes across the entire board of AEW in general. They, They do... I, they don't do it enough in WWE, and they do it way too much in AEW. <laughs> they, there's like no middle ground with those two companies. Um, you know, Kevin Owens uh, wanted color for that tribute that he did to Terry Funk, but they used fake blood for that. Yeah. And he's the only person that bled on the entire, well, bled in quotations on the entire card. Because, it, it, I mean, the idea is that it's supposed to have meaning, you know, like if if you're fucking on a card with Dusty Rhodes, no one else is going to be bleeding on that card but Dusty Rhodes. You know what I mean? Like that's the <laughs> it's just uh it's it's just a bit much. And um yeah, Brian Danielson is just a complete babyface. I mean, he came out to make a save for Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, which is the most babyface thing you could do in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I agree with you. Um yeah, just it's just weird. Um how blood can, if used in the right place, be very uh, a good thing to be a part of your story. But if you overuse it, it's like, you know, we we kind of get used to it. So it doesn't have its, its, its effect. Um, so but what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, like, if you're having, like, a 30-minute main event match for the title or something, and you only do it in the feud during the pay-per-view, like fine but moxley's like doing this shit on the opening match of dynamite (laughs) you know what i mean like there's there's no need for it and it it didn't add anything to the match that's the biggest problem is like it it, there was no reason for it it didn't add anything um yeah i I don't know we've we've talked we've been talking about this for like it feels like three years though when it comes to aw and moxley and how they uh how they like to bleed a lot over there on that show. I like to bleed my own blood. All right. Um, 
Don Callis. I love his music is the most sinister, evil sounding shit. And it just got his big ass head uh, with the huge scar on it. Um, but so now Callis is taking his direction to keep on going after the heart of Kenny Omega. And Takeshka is going to be going against Kota Ibushi. Uh, and he promises ultimate destruction of the former IWGP heavyweight champion. Uh, Callis made a comment that when you beat Kenny Omega once, they call you the ace. When the, when you beat Kenny Omega twice, you don't they don't call you the ace. They call you the alpha. So he had that. He had a beautiful painting. It was really weird of, of the two of them and Kenny Omega. Um, and yeah, Cody Bushi. Kenoshke Takeshka, uh, that is the next match. I don't know when exactly, but in place. And I'm assuming if, if it was me, Takeshka, even with cheating with Don Callis, beats Kota Ibushi, beats him to a bloody pulp, brings back Kenny Omega, and then you go from there. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where they're going with it. I also liked uh, liked the promo a lot. I like this painting gimmick still. I think it's it's entertaining. Um, that should be a really good match. Although I haven't been that impressed with Coda since he has came back. Um, but in theory, that should be a really good match. I, I think that you're spot on as far as what they should do because the end goal is going to be Takeshka and, and Kenny Omega getting that win back. Um, I also like Don Callis later on in the show with Daniel Garcia, because that means that they're still they're still keeping that Jericho feud alive, which is interesting. And Daniel Garcia could actually use a manager like Don Callis, if we're being honest. Yeah, I love this Don Callis family. It's almost like <laughs> like the evil Bobby Heenan. I know Bobby Heenan was already bad, but the more devious satan himself and his family of wrestlers so they would be cool if he picks out some more people it's it's very much like the fucking dangerous alliance in wcw with paul Heyman. oh yeah it's got shades of paul Heyman sprinkled all over it which is not a bad thing um don Callis like has been has been great since coming back well even before coming back when when Kenny was injured and he came back and cut that promo for Kenny, um, that was great. Like, I don't know. I've, I've been really been enjoying the Don Callis family and the storyline against Jericho and uh, Kenny. Like, that's been interesting stuff. Probably some of the best storytelling they have in AEW. Yeah, I'll agree. Um, but looking forward to that. Um, backstage. So Danielson and Moxley laid out a challenge uh, to stars Big Bill and and uh, Starks for Collision. Uh, so that's going to be tonight, actually. Um, looking forward to seeing that match. Ray Phoenix interrupted, uh, just furious, uh, and he wants the international championship. Uh, so he just also jumped on. He he j- lunged at fucking John Moxley. The fact that he lunged, he probably should get fired. Anyways, I'm just kidding. Uh, but they also had a great <laughs> shot of Claudio. In the background, Eddie Kingston joins the ranks and just starts smiling and laughing at Claudio. You got one more week. And that was uh, that was the nice little uh, altercation in the back, Chris. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for that Claudio Kingston match. I think that's going to be really, really good. Yeah. 
but yeah, I, I mean, I, the rest of it was there. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff that was happening at the same time. Yeah. Okay. So this is what, okay. Especially off of, based off of last night. <sighs> Confusion. So we have a Grand Slam Women's Championship four-way eliminator. Nyla Rose, Tony Storm, Hikaru Shida, Britt Baker, all four past champions. Winner gets to go and uh, try to, get, you know, beat. Um, who's our women's champion right now? Oh, Soraya. Beat Soraya. And um, the biggest takeaway is Tony Storm wins this, so she's going to get some type of title shot. Um, but that's not what I'm wondering. So last night, Britt Baker said that she is going after the TBS title because it's been a long time since Britt Baker's been a champion. So she challenged um, tonight um, against uh, Chris Statlander for the belt and then said that she's going to be going for the world championship soon afterwards to be the first uh, woman double champ in AEW. Chris, how the fuck does Dr. Britt Baker get to get in the front of the line when she's a part of a four-way eliminator and she loses? And still, it seems like down the future, she'll get a world champion shot, and she just called her shot against Chris Statlander, and doesn't matter if Chris wants to have the match, she's having a match with her tonight for her belt. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. You got me. AEW doesn't care about rankings anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. They, that that went out the window like years ago at this point. Um, I, I mean, you know, obviously we know who retains in that title match because they, on the same show, had set up another title match with Jade Cargill and Chris Statlander, which means that Statlander has to retain tonight to have the match against Car- Cargill on Collision. So I don't. Oh, no. I don't think that was. Cargill was last night. That's it from Cargill. She had her match against her and beat her. Oh, okay. I thought it I thought well, I knew that she had already lost. I just thought it was I thought that was for collision, not for rampage. So I, I flipped him. But yeah, I, I just I, I don't know. It's weird they announced like fucking Chris Statlander, I guess, is taking on all comers, which I mean that's what she was doing. I mean, that's kind of the storyline with that TV title, right? Is that they do an open challenge each week, basically? Pretty much. It's like the U.S. title with uh, Cena. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go to... I mean, it's not going to do Brit any favors because she's not going to... They're not going to take the belt off Chris Statlander yet, so she's just going to end up losing. <laughs> so... I think this is the main event. Yeah. Main event, uh, Grand Slam world title eliminator. We knew that Samoa Joe was going to beat Roderick Strong, but I liked everything about this. I think that Roddy is doing some of his best character work because he's always kind of been bland as far as his, you know, his personality, I would say a bit, especially lately. Him wearing the glasses and bringing out the neck brace and taking off the neck brace and like his whole interactions with Taven and and, and Bennett. Um, it was really weird though. I, I I think they did like a little bit of a Lacey Evans because I'm pretty sure it was earlier in this show, if not Collision before, where he's going over like 
his childhood and how traumatic it was. And his dad was an alcoholic. And I'm like, like, is, is this a baby face fucking promo? But either way, I think it's been working. And this would lead to Samojo not only beating Strong, but, you know, him going after Adam Cole and telling MJF while he was, uh, you know, getting smashed that MJF, I'm going to take everything from you. Kid. Everything. So he's calling him kid, man. I don't. I don't think MJF likes that, Chris. Uh, I don't think that Joe cares, though. <laughs> this was that was a great match. Uh, my fa- my favorite spot is when Joe clotheslined Roddy Strong out of midair. It's pretty great. Um, Joe cuts the promo. He goes, uh, "Was it Hey Maxwell?" Which is fucking a shout out back to Hey Wendy, which I appreciated. Um. Damn. So, like, Punk gets fired. Joe steps into the role that Punk was going to be doing and has not batted a fucking eye because he's been on fire these past uh, few weeks. And I love it because I'm a big Samoa Joe fan. And uh, it leads to Joe winning the match, right? And you get Taven and Bennett, and they're in the ring, and they're, you know, checking on (laughs) Roddy. Roddy's fine. He gets up. He's about to get out of the ring. Adam Cole comes down. Then he just takes a fucking bump and starts going, my neck, Adam. (laughs) It was great. He gets stretchered out. And then Joe, who previously said he's going to take everything from from Max, from MJF, just puts on the Kikina clutch and chokes out Adam Cole. It It was fucking great. And then you just get Joe ending the show yelling, everything. And I will say, I got to put over Adam Cole selling because the stuff that he does with his eyes when it comes to fear or when he's pissed off is already amazing. When he was getting choked out, it really looked like the life was getting taken away from his eyes. Like, it was really impressive. Yeah, it was a very effective spot for both guys. And then we know that we we have you have to have a feeling that MJF has the chance to get screwed over in this match with everything else going around um, going on with that story. So there is a possibility we get Samoa Joe as champion, which would be very interesting. Tis it would. But a good episode of Dynamite, um, setting up a lot of stuff. Let's uh, let's talk about the last show from last night, Chris. And then we'll get out of here. Wow. Uh, you told me that SmackDown... I'm glad I didn't know this shit. Because I knew that John Cena was probably going to be there, but I don't think that was 100% confirmed. But if you told me that the beginning of the fucking show would start off with Pat McAfee and The Rock and then end with John Cena, I mean, just fun, man. The Denver crowd got one hell of a fucking show. Uh, it would start off with... It seems like Michael Cole also, once again, had no idea this was going to happen. But, you know, opening up the show with Corey and British Guy. Um, And we have uh, Austin Theory hit the ring. Uh, No, 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 that's right. Pat McAfee first started. Place goes fucking nuts. Uh, Comes out. Then Theory interrupts him. Coincidentally, they were wearing the same thing. Just kind of, they look like they were in some, like, 
indie tag team because it was like black jeans, black shoes, black tank top. Um, but they're talking shit towards each other, and McAfee basically kind of says that this is the people show. Um, and honestly, if anything, I should bring out someone that's more for the people. So people already started like, wait, what? And then you smell what the rock is cooking. The fucking roof came off the building. Uh, you could tell rock was excited, still trying to play the rock. He looked like he got a little bit emotional though, when he was going down to the ring, this has been a minute since we've seen the rock in the ring. And not only was there a good amount of shit talking and something that probably made Hunter and whoever backstage really cringe when the rock got the audience to start chanting one side, Austin is a, and then the other side asshole. So you just hear this shit and it's getting interrupted by censor. You know, every fucking time it goes into it, they only missed it once. Uh, but after that, you know, it would end up with the rock uh, giving a spine buster to Austin theory who tried to, you know, hit him out of nowhere and then hitting the people's elbow, and then letting uh, Pat McAfee do his own version of the people's elbow. So, you know, I don't know, man. Austin Theory is doing really terrible in his career. You know, he's taking a stone-cold stunner from Austin. Austin is a, on one side, asshole on the other side. So think about this. The censorship at WWE underneath Fox Guidelines, because they're main channels and not on cable, is trying to censor him doing this, but it's The Rock, so he can get away with it. Then we had Austin Theory try to sucker punch The Rock. He gets the better of him, gives him a spine busters, people's elbow, place one crazy, great to see. And then he let Pat McAfee do it too, Chris. Just fantastic. It's a fun spot, and I think it made a lot of sense. They put, you know, Pat, uh, Rock was on Pat's show, kind of teasing that he had worked out a WrestleMania match back in 2022. Then he showed up on SmackDown, and then today he was on the college game day, which I was watching right before we jumped on the podcast. So uh, I guess, you know, the WWE kind of striking where the, while the iron is hot around uh, the Denver and Colorado area, kind of all based around... Deion Sanders is coach out there for Colorado. I think it was a Colorado state. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was interesting. It was an interesting two days of the rock being kind of everywhere, <laughs> at least for me. Yeah, it, it was just great to see him back, man. And the atmosphere of the WWE, you know, acting like the rock, uh, just kidding. But that's the biggest thing, and I, I was saying this, Chris. You know, for someone that needs to probably do more in his career, for being in his mid-20s, Austin Theory's first WrestleMania experience was going against Pat McAfee in Vince's corner. And, you know, I think he lost in that match and then got a stone-cold stunner from Austin. And then he goes his next WrestleMania and beats John Cena, second-year part of the main roster with the U.S. belt, and now is one of the only newer wrestlers, probably, that can say they took a people's elbow uh, from The Rock. So not doing so bad, I would say. Uh, no, I mean, uh, he's the perfect guy to put in that spot, too, because um, people want to see him get his ass kicked. So 
if you had to have someone get their ass kicked by the rock, he's he was not a bad choice. I thought it was fun. Yeah, it was it was a it was a good time. It was definitely like something that normally does not happen. Um and that would kind of be it. I mean, besides the interaction between, between The Rock and John Cena, I think a lot of fans, it looked like on Twitter, that were all excited about this, really wanted some type of backstage interaction with LA Knight and The Rock, most notably because they're they're friends. They've met each other in the past. I, I think Rock actually was a strong person that recommended uh, Knight, from what I'm uh, remembering. But it's like he got the middle. So if John Cena ends it and The Rock's at the beginning of it, LA Knight gets a huge fucking pop during his match and gets to be that guy, you know, also on the mic in the middle of the show. So that was kind of cool in, in retrospect. AJ and uh, Finn Balor had an awesome match last night because of so much shenanigans and the fact that he's kind of, you know, pissed off the rest of his group. He was by himself, and that's exactly why he lost to Finn Balor. But it's always interesting having the first two leaders of the Bullet Club in matches together, Chris. And I like that it seems like AJ's down a path, like we said last time, you know, where he's going to get less less to do with maybe his group. He's going to take a couple losses and try to rebuild himself uh, in a new way and maybe go after some of these groups like uh, Roman's group of the bloodline, like uh this group with judgment day yeah that was that was a great match i mean that was the best at least in my opinion was the best match on smack probably the best match across both shows honestly across uh the both wwe shows i should say um yeah yeah it was a good match and you know i don't i didn't have a problem with them not having eli drake and the rock interact because they've been the Miz has been specifically calling out Eli Drake for being like The Rock to some extent. So them having that rea- like them having any kind of promo interaction with with each other, I don't necessarily think would have been the best thing for Eli Drake. Because I don't, I, I mean, he's good, but I don't know that he's going to out promo The Rock. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's kind of batting way above your uh, your average there. Uh, so I had no problem with them not having interaction. I could get why fans would want to see it, but it's storyline-wise, it wouldn't make any sense. Eli Drake's a babyface right now. The Rock's a babyface. I mean, there's no reason why they would be having a back and forth. So I, I didn't have a problem with that. I enjoyed SmackDown. It was a fun watch. Um, not a very heavy wrestling show. So if you're if you're more into just straight wrestling, then it might not have been the thing for you. But if you're a big Rock fan, it, it was worth worth it just to see The Rock come back and have that moment. And It'll be interesting to see what that means for their overall plans. Does that mean that we're going to get Rocket Mania? Was this just a one-off because he was already doing college game day with Pat? And they happen to be in Colorado. Like it, it's It's too early to start drawing those kind of predictions. Um, but I mean, if they're going to do Rock, you you think that they that would be Rock versus Roman, which means Cody is once again <laughs> kind of up shit's creek when it comes to getting that title win over Roman. Yeah, I hope if anything, maybe Roman has to work double duty both nights. Defend uh, one title on one show and one title on the other show. Possibly. 
Yeah, I, I could see that. Um, or maybe Cody wins the Royal Rumble, um, but The Rock still wants to prove who the Tribal Chief is because he's already won the title a bunch of times. So, you know, Cody goes for the title the first night and sends a Roman who has lost his title into the second night to go against his cousin. And that can be an aspect of, you know, where he is in his headspace or some shit. Yeah, I mean, you could you could easily do that. Um, you know, have Cody win the first night. Rock comes out to make the save for Cody because, you know, Roman's been retaining through nefarious means for quite a while. I could see them and doing Roman, something. Like that. And Roman goes backstage, gets in Triple H's face and says, give me the Rock tomorrow night. I don't care. You know? <laughs> yeah, and I think that way, I mean, there was... Both of those matches are fucking big, big mania matches. So uh, I, it makes sense that they would want to bring The Rock in. I mean, it's it's going to be good for business and ticket sales and everything else, much like when they brought Austin in. I mean, hey, so still hey, The Rock. Maybe, uh, maybe we have some interaction before that. What? And what we do is get a two out of three match Rock Austin to find out what? Who's the best between them? What? <laughs> Rock's got one win. Austin's got two. They do two out of three. Rock wins the first one. Then it's Rock and Austin, you know. Although it'd probably be a sloppy fucking fest because they usually need younger guys to work off of. Maybe it could be awesome. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, if they just do a brawl, probably be fine, right? They they could kind of do what Austin did with, you know, Kevin Steen or Kevin Owens. I could see them if they wanted to do something like that. I could see that. I mean, you could even have Austin come out and make a save for the rock. Cause you're still going to have the bloodline the second night as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of stuff they could do. Um, with the rock, I think Roman is a good opponent for the rock because when we saw him and Cena had tried to have like a classic, like big time pay-per-view match, uh, the rock ended up getting hurt. So, yep. I'm thinking, you know, with Roman, at least he, it'll be more like Roman's matches have been lately, which is more of a storytelling type thing than a ton of in-ring action. Yeah, I agree. But we'll have to wait until Mania. I'm sure we'll find out stuff starting soon. Pretty crazy stuff going around the corner. That's all I got to say. Um, yeah, and yeah. I mean, there's... There is the other outlier that CM Punk <laughs> could potentially be coming back, which makes it even harder to predict what they're going to do with Mania. I mean, in that scenario, um, let me say that I think Seth can get over his shit and they can, you know, have a match for the other title because I think there's money there. Yeah, and I don't know how much of that was actually Seth having a problem with punk versus just being a company guy. You know what yeah. I mean? And I, I know, I mean, I'm sure if they said, Hey, Seth, we need you to work a match with punk that he, he probably won't try to fight him backstage. We can go, with <laughs> we can go with that. Or, or, Hey, this is how much money we're going to give you to go against punk. <laughs> I want him to uh I want Punk to be put in a tag team with Pete Dunn so we can get Brooks and Dunn. <laughs> I love it. I look uh, that's that's <laughs> hilarious. All right. Uh, um but yeah, LA Knight the Miz. 
I mean, now LA Knights beat him three times. He had a good promo at the end. His pop was huge, like I said, you know, especially in comparison to some of the other people that they had there, like Pat McAfee, The Rock, AJ Styles, John Cena, and Rey Mysterio. So he's uh, he's definitely a top babyface, and I'm looking forward to see what he does uh, now that it seems like he's done with the uh, A-lister, Mr. Miz. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. Eli Drake's kind of in a weird spot because Roman is. I don't see Roman dropping that title anytime soon. So, yeah. like, who who is the next opponent for Eli Drake? I don't That's, know. Maybe like a Bobby Lashley. What's Bobby Lashley doing? He started a uh, new group, and they went after Santos Escobar and uh, their group, uh, oh, the well, LWO. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of an opponent for Eli Drake after the Miz. Like I don't, I don't have any good, good ideas. Just looking at the SmackDown roster, I don't know. I mean, you could easily rekindle John Cena and the Miz's feud and do something there again. I would prefer not to, but you know, there there is that to go back to. Yeah. Oh, you were talking about Cena. I thought you were talking about Eli Drake. Uh, with Cena, I mean, he. I, oh. Yeah. I was talking about the Miz. You're talking oh. about uh, you're talking about Eli Drake. Yeah, I was talking about Eli Drake. Like, well, I don't know what he's going to do after the Miz. Um, for the Miz, I don't know that it matters. He's just going to do Miz TV or whatever and get inserted in random feuds. <laughs> the Miz has lost his like nine la- like last ninety three matches, and that's not an over exaggeration. So they're just going to use him. To help get other people over. I mean, that's kind of the spot he's in, right? Mm-hmm. And then for Cena, I mean, Cena versus Roman makes sense. You could do Cena versus AJ Styles if you wanted to. It's Cena, so you can kind of just put him in there against anyone. I don't think that he's going to be, like, winning a title or anything, though. Nope. Um, but uh, let's keep on going. we got two more things to talk about, one of them involving John Cena. Oscar and Bailey. This was more. It's just going to be a lot of fun. Oscar ends up beating up Bailey because partly because of Shotzi and uh, some distraction when you know Dakota kind of got hurt on the outside. But it, this is about Oscar next week against Io Shirai. Um, very much looking forward to that match for the women's title. And you know I've seen matches with the two ladies previous. To WWE, but now even though they're you know both a bit older, I don't think that fucking matters at all. They're still both athletic monsters, and now they have more seasoning when it comes to performing within the WWE. So this should be a damn good match. Chris, are you looking forward to EO and Oscar? Yeah, yeah, I think that'll be a really, really entertaining match. Um, the feud kind of surrounding it's a little weird because we're kind of getting the You've been kind of getting that that group is going to break up with Bailey and Io, right? But they haven't paid that off yet either, so... I'm, I think I'm we all hope that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of want to see Bailey back in singles competition, so I don't really have a problem with that. So I could see Io winning here, that group breaking up, and then the actual feud is Bailey versus Io. Um, and at some point, Carrie Zane's supposed to be showing up. 
since she signed with WWE. We haven't seen her yet. I know she had some dates in Japan to uh, finish up, but it might be interesting to say, see her and Asuka together again or in a feud. That, that, was be, that would be some really fun matches as well. Absolutely, and here's another fun match set up by the uh, Grayson Waller effect. Uh, John Cena was the person on the show as a guest. Like normally, you know, Grayson takes sh- shots at the baby face, but John was pretty much not letting any of that affect him. Uh, we did have Jimmy Uso come out and basically told John Cena to get your ass back to Hollywood. No one wants you here. And trying to talk, I guess, on behalf of the the wrestlers in the back. They end up going to blows. Solo comes out. Uh, he jumps in, and then AJ Styles comes out. So it looks like we're getting the... Uh, at least of their era, the the Mega Powers, uh, John Cena and AJ Styles going against Solo and Jay Uso or uh, Jimmy Uso in some big way, um, either I'm assuming on SmackDown next week or at the next up and coming pay per view. But uh, maybe AJ's got some friends in a uh, you know S- Superman, Captain America, whatever you want to call him, John Cena. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it makes a lot of sense that they put them together, but it's also kind of, you know, AJ Styles beat John Cena. John Cena put his armbands in the middle of the ring or whatever. He had that big emotional thing. So I wonder if they play into that at all, them not being able to get along. Um, I wonder what we get from Anderson and Gallows as well, since uh, that group seems to be done, I'm assuming. I, I, I don't know, because... When's the last time Anderson and Gallows had a fucking match? I don't know. When they were in Impact? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't remember them having a match on any of these shows. They got re-signed and then they didn't do anything with them. Um, so, I, I'm interested to see where that goes. If it goes nowhere, we'll still get a fun match out of it. and I'm, I'm fine with that as well. I'm glad they're doing some stuff with AJ because they haven't done shit with him in a long time. So him being a part of different storylines and uh, trying to kick everyone's ass is always fun. Yeah, pissed off, you know, AJ Styles from Gainesville, Georgia is always a, a fun AJ Styles. Hey, man, don't mess with me, man. Gosh darn, <laughs> gosh darn man. Do you know Earth's flat? <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, I guess that was it. That was our big show for today. Kind of shorter than normal, but, uh, you know, not a pay-per-view related things. We're going to go over the 1,000 episode of Impact after we watch the second half next week. So we'll have that for you. But uh, no big pay-per-views and just uh, just chilling. Uh, anything else wrestling related? Big up for EC3 getting the NWA championship. And I know that they reformatted the show and just restarted it on YouTube. Plan on checking that out in the future, so I'm happy that happened because, yeah, anyways. But um, other than that, you know, kind of a slower week for wrestling, Chris. Um, Say goodbye to all the lovely people. Let's get the funk out of here. Ah, Goodbye, all the lovely people out there. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, it's at Chris R. Patton. It's uh, Christopher.R.Patton on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, everyone, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy watching uh, the Impact 1000th. And uh, if you're a, if you're a football fan, enjoy some football this weekend. There's a whole lot of it happening. Dale, yeah, watch your college football, watch your wrestling, watch whatever you guys want to watch. That is horse season. 
October's next month. So watch some horror movies too. And all the lovely people, all the beautiful people too. Um, not really looking at you, Meryl Manson, more uh, Velvet Sky. Call me. Anyways, but y'all have a wonderful day. As always, let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. And peace out.